0: Back to the Spiritual Curiosity Podcast.
1: Hello. With your hosts, Paloma and Haley. (laughs) And I am Paloma. And I'm
0: Haley. Whoa.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're back at it, boys. We're talking about this book. Number four. It's
0: crazy. We're chugging right along. Yeah, we are. And thank you to everyone who is. Still listening to us, or welcome to the people who are just now joining us.
1: You're awesome. You're awesome. You're, you rock. And we love you. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, down to the business. We're going to
0: start the episode like we do all of our episodes with a tarot card polling and reading which we have already pulled our card and we have the eight
1: of cups. Yeah. It's so interesting because this deck doesn't have the color that usually the Rider-Waite-Smith deck Mm. usually have. So usually this card's depicted with lots of different shades, blue and red and yellow, and this one's just kind of like... Blue and yellow. Yeah, and it's one shade of blue and one shade of yellow, or maybe two shades of yellow, but usually... Um, this character is wearing like a red cloak and red shoes and the, the sky is a little bit more of like a deeper purpley blue and the water. the red,
0: as I think you had talked about in the last episode, how red signifies power and strength. Yeah. So almost, so this card is, represents a moment of transition in life or in this moment of the cloaked figure walking away and leaving these eight cups behind. And so in that moment of transition of change, we are, well, this cloaked figure who would be typically wearing a red kind of color cloak. it signifies like the strength and courage it takes to change. Yeah. And to, if you're working on something that you've put so much time and passion and emotion and dedication into walking away from that, choosing to walk away from it and let it be in the past and moving on to, to better things in the future. Incredible. Guys, that, that was my first time doing one yeah. of these. That was like a most chef's <sighs> reading. Yeah. Well, it only took me this long to, in <laughs> a Google search. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Do what you gotta do. (laughs) Well, now I feel like we need to um we were using we're using the same deck that we used in the last episode, but um I'm I'm curious to because I have a couple of other tarot decks, and so I'd be curious to kind of see what the colors are because I really there's a lot that can be taken away, and I feel bad that the reds aren't in this one because if you weren't here, I wouldn't have caught that. Um
1: Detail. And that's a really important one. It is important detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think regardless, you kind of nailed the meaning of this card. You know, having that personal power to walk away. And I think in in relation to what we're kind of dealing with right now, we're still trying to get this podcast going. Just before we started filming, we we're trying to just get these logistics. And there's so many moving parts to this so it's just kind of like knowing when to step away because it is like fries your brain doing this sort of stuff (laughs) I'm just trying to think about like oh you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do just getting all these things and um I think podcasts are really like I think anyone can do it like we're in a day and age where like anyone can you know, like anybody can have a YouTube channel, anyone can have a podcast, anyone can kind of um, distribute like media in a way mm-hmm. that wasn't like in the past, you know, before you needed a record company to put out music. And mm-hmm. um, and now anybody can do it, but man, it's still a lot of work yeah. of trying to coordinate with different platforms and trying to get... um just like all the formality behind the scenes stuff that's less glamorous together so yeah bringing it back to this card knowing when to walk away that stuff's always mm-hmm. going to be there when we need to address it so mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah but something for the uh the listener
1: I was about to say viewer the
0: viewer ooh can you see me
1: <laughs> no don't don't answer that would terrify me if you said
0: yeah <laughs> um but it's something for the listener to To also kind of contemplate and just let themselves ponder of, is there something in life where you are focusing a lot of emotions, a lot of attention on Mm -hmm. that, hey, like sometimes you just need to turn away from it and you need to
1: just walk away. Yep, Yeah. And stuff's always going to be there. It's something that I think as adults, you realize that there's always going to be something to do on Mm -hmm. your to-do list Mm -hmm. that you have to get done. Mm -hmm. And so there's always going to be a lot of things that you need to address but it's also okay to step away come back when you're in a better mental space Mm -hmm. to deal with that yep so this episode we are going to be talking about chapter one of the women who run with wolves and this book's great it's it is a lot of um just like similar themes building on top of each other um it almost kind of feels like a TED talk, but like in a book version, you know, where it, it's like, it's nonfiction, but it's a mix between almost self-help, self-help book mm-hmm. and also like informative material, like research. like fantasy at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like layers that, and a lot of description of things. And this chapter, um, talks about the legend of la loba um which is a mexican folklore story um about like loba la loma means the wolf it's like the wolf woman which is something that is like held really close to my heart i've i mean being um you know mexican and growing up in the desert and My family is from the Southwest and Mexico and um, growing up in New Mexico and living there. You just feel that sort of wild nature. And we do have wolves there. I went to a wolf sanctuary there when I was a kid and it was powerful. And there is something to be said about like... You know how they say how dogs are man's best friend, but mm-hmm. I feel like wolves are women's best friend, you know? I really do love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, I still love my dogs though.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, they're still part wolf, but there's like a certain, um, like deep connectedness mm-hmm. to wolves, and like how you're talking about your last name mm-hmm. too.
0: Yep. So, um, I'm married now, so I, I took my husband's last name, and he has an Italian last name, but my maiden name is very um, very much rooted in the Irish and Scottish um, culture, and it actually means strength of the wolf. And so in my family, um, my brothers, for example, it's something that we get tattooed on ourselves. Um, I have yet to get my wolf tattoo but it's something, it's almost kind of like a rite of passage yeah. of like, okay, you're part of this family. And you know, when are you getting your, your wolf tattoo and the importance of being in a pack and the importance of like, and I know there's the lone wolf, right. Where that's, that's always going to be something that, that comes up, but it's so important to have your pack and to have your people and to have that community. And so I think that it really, really resonates because my family were all very, very close. Um, and so we're just a bunch of bunch of wolves just <laughs> running around just, you know, causing trouble. And I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think of just like, um, but then also you have like and I just got like the image of um you know like with like the witchy women and like going out into like the forests and oh, the like yeah. dancing around and um like the howling of the moon and um like those kind of rituals that people do and um honestly i would love to do a ritual like that um i tell myself that eventually i'll build up the courage to do something like that where i can just like just strip down have no cares in the world and just dance around a fire and just have fun and just kind of let loose and Um, but then like in that moment, it's almost like the women become wolves themselves. Yeah. I mean,
1: Shakira's she-wolf. Hello. Yeah. That's like, (laughs) that's like embedded in our DNA, you know, is to like have our she-wolf moment. Mm -hmm. But I feel you with like the, the family sentiment of wolf. And I think that's part of why I've all, I've also felt really drawn to wolves and that sort of motif of being in a family that pack, my, um, my great grandfather's name was Wolf. And so it's a family name that's just been passed down. Um, and it's something that I think like, if I have kids that I'm definitely going to do that too. And there is something like really majestic and almost like remembers your, it makes you have pride in yourself when you think about that. Like the family and thinking about wolves and, see, and like seeing your family as wolves, there's a lot of pride mm-hmm. in it too. And there, it is true that like there is that sentiment of being a lone wolf, but, um, and yeah, but packs of wolves exist and, and lone wolves exist. and but But there's that ability to have either where you can choose your family mm-hmm. if your blood family isn't necessarily safe for you. Um, and you can choose who your pack is, but you can also be there's an important aspect of, of solitude that mm-hmm. this book touches on a lot, I think, mm-hmm. and not necessarily directly saying of like the importance of solitude, but just kind of suggesting that every wild woman taps into her solitude mm-hmm. at different parts in her life, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Laloba,
0: um, so who she is and and what she does and why it's so important that it's brought up pretty much immediately in this book is she is the collector of bones. She is, I mean, the image of her is (laughs) um, definitely like that wild woman, you know, she has like the long, unruly hair and she has just... Almost like she's more wolf than woman. (laughs) Totally. And
1: like terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Almost ugly is what I imagine too. Mm -hmm. But like this unapologetic ugliness that in turn is beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Because she is naturally just herself and not having to worry about societal norms and what beauty has to look like and is totally confident in herself and, And so she, what she does is that she spends her time finding and finding bones that have been separated from, from the rest of of the skeleton from the body and bringing them together. And once she finds every single last part of that, that skeleton of that body, um, she sings over them.
1: And brings it back to Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. which is just a beautiful metaphor Mm -hmm. that like we can do that with ourselves at any point where all these parts that we feel lost um you know because a lot of people don't know their family history so there's that that piece that always feels missing or um for people who feel disconnected from their family for like I know for me for religious reasons I didn't feel close to my family so I always felt that missing piece whenever I had friends that were super close to their family and had a really tight family units. Um, I felt like that was a missing piece or a missing bone in my life. but what kind of kind of brought it together is when I did go into magic and witchcraft because then I realized that I had this whole, you know, thousands of years worth of ancestors that I can call upon and can bring into my life at any point to fill those voids, you know, mm-hmm. that I don't have to just be stuck feeling unfulfilled because mm-hmm. I don't have a, a, a living family unit that's tight and accepting, but I can choose my ancestors that are very accepting of me and, and bring those forward. So I think it's a really nice metaphor that you can, any sort of sensation of lostness that you're feeling or un just not feeling fulfilled in life, Mm -hmm. that you can call for that bone Mm -hmm. and have it come to you. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's in you or whether it's like existing out somewhere in the universe, lost somewhere, you can call it back to you. And I think it's like that sentiment of calling back your power, you know, of like sometimes you feel powerless and you can just call your power back to you Mm -hmm. at any point
0: like summoning the loba so she can come help you too in yeah. that search because sometimes we don't even know what we're missing and she can can help us with that and help bring things to to the surface and and help us realize that we aren't completely whole and there are things that we definitely need and we're not going to be complete we're not going to be fully satisfied fully ourselves until we get all those pieces collected
1: again. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to, there's a lot of different quotes that we really liked throughout this book, not just this chapter, but this entire book. And so we just wanted to spend some time going over um, quotes that really spoke to us. So I think we have different page setups. So my pages are on different pages than yours, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, It's on my page 25, but it's the first page of the chapter. And the quote goes, So to further our kinship relationship with the instinctual nature, it assists greatly if we understand stories as though we are inside them rather than as though they are outside us. And I think this goes back into the last episode of talking about vampires and all these mythological creatures and all these stories of um. Creatures that feel like they don't exist, that they're not real, they're not outside of us. Like, the story of the vampire is within us, you know, to a certain degree, and it's the same thing with La Loba, and it's the story of really animals, any animal too. That any sort of creature or thing that we put a story around isn't ex- outside of us. Like, it's all connected into this experience on earth. So when we look at Laloba and we see her wild nature and just how um, absurd it, it kind of is, you know, we think, oh, that's just a fantasy, but really it, it's, all these stories are always trying to show us different parts of ourselves. And that's a big part of, um, I think, spiritual growth for me, when I first started, I would just read about these stories that as a kid, I always liked reading about Greek mythology or, or, um, reading the Grimm's brothers, uh, fairy tales. I would read about them and I was fascinated with them. And when you do read about them, you are learning about yourself. So you, that is part of the spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, Laloba, it's, The quote
0: in that, that same kind of section really that resonated with me is, um, it says she collects and preserves, especially that, that witch is in danger of being lost to the world. And just going back to the, these practices, these rituals, these, this knowledge, these stories that need to continue to, to be with each generation and we can't afford to let them just slip away. And so I just, yeah, I thought that was beautiful because it's almost like those, the things that, um, are the lost bones for us. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit, a little bit later, but, you know, think of like creativity, right? The arts and, and music. And, um, those are the things that can easily get lost in the world and people, I mean, I, I love, um the, the movie Monuments Men, because, uh, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, based off true story, you know, during World War II where there was a special, um, group of, of people who were all like art historians and people who worked in museums and their job was to find and protect art. Wow. And because during wars, these things are not taken care of. And nobody's thinking about, okay, but like, look at all this history that's being destroyed. And look at all these, you know, these paintings and these buildings and all this stuff that our culture and um, our society has worked so hard and is defined by certain things. And we can learn so much from this. And so it's those kind of things that I think about, we really need to to do our duty and preserve these things as much as possible. And, and so, yeah, that, that movie, that, that whole story and that whole concept holds a really um, special place in my heart because not only did I study our history in college, but also it's the exact same thing. Just it's, if it's in danger of being lost in the world, like we have that responsibility to, to make sure that it stays around and that we're teaching future generations how to do this. Absolutely.
1: I mean, I think about it all the time with, that's one of the hard things about people who don't know their own family history is, is like, you want to preserve something, you want to feel like you're part of this greater plan in the world, or this greater purpose, but then it feels kind of frustrating for people who don't know their family history, and they don't know how to fit in. And they don't know how to contribute. And I think when we think about, um, preserving things that do get lost in the world, it's also something that we have to do with ourselves. I mean, that's what, um, a big part of this story of La Loba is going back to what you're saying, that when we engage in our creativity, that is how we kind of protect. That's how we embody La Loba is when we are fully being creative, um, in, in whatever that looks like whether that's singing, whether that's you know painting dancing but it's beyond just the arts it's more of embodying that creative spirit so that can look like baking that can look like a job that you're really passionate about it can be sports and so creativity isn't just about the arts it's about um engaging in that creative fire within you so when when you think about preserving things in our world or in our culture we also have to do that with ourselves we have to make sure that we're preserving a practice where we are in great engaging in our own creativity mm-hmm. where we're taking time to not let those things get lost for us mm-hmm. you know like let's say you really like yoga but and that's a really creative practice for you but there's never enough time for it. And eventually it does get lost. Mm-hmm. If you're not nurturing that practice, it does get lost. And eventually it just becomes a forgotten history of your own mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And on a more macro scale, yeah, like when great disasters happen and and we don't preserve the history or we lose the history, then it's lost and it's like we lose a piece of our as a a society Mm -hmm. when that happens I know that like um like for example for my family um we're native but a lot of it just gets lost of of the specifics because so many native children ended up becoming orphans due to a lot of the tragedy not just you know the Spanish conquistadors but also the Catholic church and the Catholic church was so adamant of tearing people down and Mm -hmm. breaking down culture, language, art, um, dance ceremony that it was really hard for anybody to remember and hold on to that. So now you have generations of people who just feel lost and Mm -hmm. feel like they don't belong. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that for my grandma, she kind of had an idea. Um, and she would tell us, like which tribe we were, but, um, but she was also an orphan too. So Mm -hmm. she didn't even really get to fully embody that culture Mm -hmm. and that creativity of that culture because she was an orphan and was moving around all the time. So she didn't Mm -hmm. even have the opportunity to, um, to really be a part of something bigger. Yeah. And I have the same, not exactly the same,
0: but I, my family also has, Native American roots. And it's unfortunate because nobody in the family really kept records. Yeah. And things have gotten really muddy. And I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know where to start in the search. Um, I don't know how to to check facts. I don't know who to reach out to. And it almost feels like, yeah, that part of me is, I don't know if I'm ever going to find it. Um, there was a, um, a ceremony that my mom and I were able to go to, um, dedicated to corn mothers and it was a beautiful thing to witness, but I felt like an outsider the entire time because I, I don't know exactly what my heritage is. And I don't know exactly, um, where my ancestors came from and what their practices were and, um, I feel very blessed that I, that they allowed the public to, to come in on, on something like that, but I also just kind of stuck to the, the sides into the back of the room because I didn't, I don't know. I just, I felt like almost like I wasn't allowed there, even though they were very welcoming. I just felt like, Oh, I just wish I knew that much more about, you know, my, yeah, my answers my, um, grand grandparents, my great grandparents, my great, great grandparents. Um, because there's, there's definitely like a hole there that I'm still
1: trying to figure out how to fill. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are trying to figure out that hole, um, to fill. I know that like, um, when you don't feel like you have an identity, it becomes really frustrating and, And a lot of people don't have family and they don't have people that they can really identify with. And, and I think that like going back to this book, part of this wild woman archetype is discovering what your identity is beyond the sort of like beyond the matrix, I guess the best word is to put it like beyond the status quo of discovering what identity really resonates with you and, and allowing yourself to kind of like hang loose a little bit because it's a process of discovery. You're not going to know who you are overnight if you felt lost for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And Clarissa, um, brings up like this, this motif of the desert Mm -hmm. a lot. And I feel like that's a big thing with identity and is oftentimes in our lives, we have these seasons where we kind of feel like we're lost in the desert and we're stuck and so what do you do when you feel lost and when you feel stuck and when you feel like depraved of um of life and fertility and it feels like nothing's growing it's like the story of la loba is about making peace with death Mm -hmm. you know because she she creates life by um accepting death you know Mm -hmm. and honoring death so when we, when we honor death, we can bring life into things. And when we're in those deserts, we really just have to embrace it, you know, cause that's where you find where you really are mm-hmm. down to the wire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And while you were talking, I, um, another quote
0: just kind of pops up, um, where it's on my page 33, but okay. who knows what page <laughs> it is for you, but, um, it says, Like the dry bones, we so often start out in the desert. We feel disenfranchised, alienated, not connected to even a cactus clump. Uh, The ancients call the desert the place of divine revelation. But for women, there is much more to it than that. Um, And I made a note to myself after reading that, that um, it says sometimes women never get out of the desert. Their whole life is spent dry, isolated, and wanting. And it's it made me really, really sad that there are people that are continuously looking and searching and there's just, you know, and exactly what it says, like, oh yeah, like the desert can be this, but the desert can also be this. It could be something that has vast opportunity and vast revelation, but it could also be just, just so barren and so dry and, um, people can be very, very lost in that. So It's, I think there's definitely times where, and you mentioned this earlier, where you feel like, um, like how you feel like with family, right? You're like, oh, like, I'm kind of like, either I'm like the oddball out or I'm, um, don't really have much community. And in that way, that metaphorical desert that you're finding yourself in and it's how can we kind of. Yeah, call out for Laloba and kind of have her help <laughs> help us through it because she and and I really love how it um and Clarissa, the the author, she goes into the describing of you know the ceremony and the ritual of what happens when you put all the bones together and, and she's singing over the bones and she turns into this this woman. And the woman runs and runs and just, oh, no, no, it turns into a wolf first, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're singing over the bones. The bones turn into a wolf. This wolf has beautiful colors, just reds and silvers and blacks and all these different colors just like shining in the sun. And and then like when the sun hits the wolf just right, it just turns into a woman and she's just like wild and free and it's just like so beautiful. Um, and so it's just, that's what I wish for everybody <laughs> is just how can we all get to a point in life where like we just were able to, to be whole again and to, to run free. And it's, um, Yeah, I just, that's what I wish for for you, Paloma, and for everybody listening.
1: And for you, (laughs) Haley. I definitely agree. And oftentimes how you get to that point is a lot of times you just have to hit rock bottom for a lot of people. And it's true what you're saying that sometimes people get lost and they can never come out of it. And they spend their whole lives lost. And that's really heartbreaking. And I think a lot of it. It has to do with, are you willing to dig into this? And it goes back to shadow work. A lot of this really just goes back to shadow work of like, you have to face your own desert of the soul. And in that own desert, I think you can actually see how much life exists in the desert because we think it's desolate, but it's such a big misconception. When you really look at the desert, there's so much life Mm -hmm. that surrounds you so much opportunity to create new life too. But on first glance, it seems like there's nothing there. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating. Like there's been times, I think in all of our lives where it just feels like you just keep getting hit over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and you get scared and, and you don't know what to do. Um, but I think that's when like your true grit has to come out and Mm -hmm. that comes back to that wild and primal side. Mm -hmm. But to the other side of the coin, you don't always need to hit rock bottom in order to engage your wild woman. Like I think that sometimes that's like a Hail Mary Mm -hmm. thing that life throws at you because Mm -hmm. you've been so disconnected from your like wild woman Mm -hmm. that it throws you a lot of circumstances where you kind of have to do like become that La Loba. But I think you can also just If you are engaging her in a regular healthy dose Mm -hmm. too, like I think that that's actually could be super beneficial. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are engaging in with your own wild nature, your own craziness, and she even talks about how like for my page 36, (laughs) (laughs) there's a quote where um, she says this wolf woman self must have freedom to move, to speak, to be angry and to create the self is durable, resilient, and possesses high intuition. It is a self which is knowledgeable in the spirit dealings of death and birth. So I think when you are engaging those things on a regular basis, when you are allowing yourself to be angry, it and like when you are allowing yourself to create, when you're allowing yourself to move freely, you're honoring her. And I don't, I know it took me a long time to wait for this side of me to come out. And it took a lot of just really bad things happening in order for me to finally face her and to accept her. But one thing that Clarissa talks about is like, once you find her, cause often this, this inner wolf is lost for such a long time. And once women find her, you have to work so you don't lose it again. Mm-hmm. And usually you don't because mm-hmm. once you get a taste of that wildness, mm-hmm. you can't go back to just being tame and living life, mm-hmm. you know, by the status quo anymore. So I love it because I also highlighted that exact same quote.
0: Really? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so it's just, it goes to show just how amazing, how just, she's so great at describing these things and she, she talks about that women need dirt. They need the earth. They need more muck they need. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) it's, I thought it was funny because then Chris, it goes into, she says, I'm always taken by how deeply women like to dig in the earth. And I think of gardening and I think of herbs and I think of all that stuff. And she says, I think they're digging down to the 2 million year old woman. Just ancestors and the generations back and just how can we tap into that. And so, um, and I love playing in the dirt when I was younger and just, I mean, we, I think we talked about earthworms not too long ago. And I was, (laughs) I remember even, um, back in elementary school where, I, on a day where it would rain and all the earthworms would come out and they would be all over the sidewalks. And, um, I would spend time before the school bell rang that I would just go and find all the earthworms and I would like put them back in the grass because I didn't (laughs) want people to step on them. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) hopefully all those earthworms are actually okay. But, um, it was just like those little things where, um, and my, my parents would tell me that, uh, when I was younger, I actually would let spiders crawl on my arm and I like, I feel very, um, I mean, but now I see a spider in the house and immediately I'm like, oh, nope,
1: <laughs> You yeah. can't do
0: it. Um, and so there's almost like this, um, this earth magic, this earth energy that I had when I was younger that I had kind of started figuring out or almost like you're born into that and you kind of slowly start slipping away from it as you get older. And, um, I want to get back into it and, you know, how can I make sure that I am digging into the dirt as much as possible? Because when I like, even though the idea of gardening sounds exhausting, when I start thinking about it, when I'm in it and when my hands are in the dirt and when i get past the feeling of dirt underneath my fingernails yes.
1: what is cuz i was thinking about that exact sensation as you were talking about like yeah i used to really like that too and something started clicking where i suddenly didn't like that sensation yeah, anymore like yeah. it's almost like we stopped we stopped liking being dirty
0: mm-hmm. and felt like we always had to be clean and we always had to have pristine fingernails you know yeah. like i'm always getting my nails done and like how how has that been um instilled in us and how is that something that we're just like not we're just not allowing ourselves to do anymore and um and so and then i also think about like other things that ground me of just how important it is for me to be by the ocean and like having my feet in the sand yeah. and um just allowing myself to do that is just so important and so um and that brings me to another quote that i love that she brought up where she was talking about um Lake Sabe. Am I saying that right? hmm It says, uh, La Lake Sabe La- Oh my gosh, I, I did such a good job. Lake Sabe had created woman from a wrinkle on the sole of her divine foot. This is why women are knowing creatures. They are made in essence of the skin of the soul, which feels everything. And it's just feet are such an amazing metaphor. They really
1: are. <laughs> they really, really are. Mm-hmm. I love the feet thing because I I remembered as I was reading this, how many times growing up I was barefoot all the time. I was always barefoot. And as I got older, especially like in Mexican households, they always like say to cover your feet because you're mm. going to get a cold or something like that. And I remember even when I was doing my healing apprenticeship, my my maestra would always yell at me because I was always walking around barefoot outside. And she was like, no, you're getting... You're, getting yourself sick and I think in in looking back at it now why she didn't like me doing that is because your feet are such open receptors to absorb anything and everything Mm. and so I was just absorbing a lot of negative energy Mm. when I was walking around barefoot and it was making me get kind of sick um but the feet really are just like such powerful um like connectors you know they're like conductors like electronic conductors Mm -hmm. to the earth's energy and to all the power and and i feel that way too with the dirt and that that cleanliness especially in womanhood we are shamed from it and there's a quote too that i really like that that says Um, some people will not like it if you take a sniff at everything to see what it is. Mm -hmm. And for heaven's sakes, no lying on your back with your feet up in the air. Bad girl, bad wolf, bad dog, right? (laughs) Wrong. Go ahead and enjoy yourself. And it, and it's true that it's like, our pleasure is kind of an act of resistance in a lot of ways to the way that, um, modern society is and, Mm um, there was this book that I read when I was going to a community college back in New Mexico. And I forget where the story comes from. And part of me is a little bit like going to be funny if the, the story comes up in this book. It probably will. Yeah, because it's like it's a, so the story is called St. Lucia's um, Home for Werewolves or for Girls. And basically it's the story about this pack of werewolves who are girls. They're all werewolf girls, but they come from this like line of um, like genes where they turn into werewolves. And so their parents take them to this home, this like Catholic school, um, but it's almost like a nunnery actually. And all these girls who are, you know, misbehaved werewolves, they're peeing on the floor, they're, like, getting mud all over the place, they're doing all these things. Um, They're told that that's wrong and impure, so they were basically taught how to be women, um, like, and how not to be wolves anymore and how they have to learn how to be women. So it's this idea of, like, werewolves for girls is actually the story of girlhood becoming into womanhood, where we're all kind of born as werewolves as young girls, but we're forced to forget our, our wolf nature in order to become respectable human women. And I really loved that story when, when I was reading it because it just felt like I, and I I said, I probably said this in the first series episode for this book, but I always loved the werewolf story and I thought I was a vampire but I also thought I was a werewolf <laughs> because I just related to like that that such impure black sheep syndrome you know of just really not feeling like I fit in at school or with my family and felt like I was never pure enough and how it's always just slightly too messy or too wild or too chaotic or too loud and um so I really it, it's it's nice hearing these stories to make you feel like you're not a freak. By chance, was it called St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by
0: Wolves? Yes. By Karen Russell? Yes. It's such a good story. And um, you can easily find it. Uh, it's a short story, correct? Yeah, it's a short so story. So you can easily find it online and um, that's that we can go ahead and put a link in the in the bio for everybody else to to read and enjoy but I just wanted to confirm before I (laughs) I post it. (laughs) It was an excellent story. So some questions come up as we're going through, you know, like we're having this conversation and something that, you know, like I I like to ask questions. (laughs) Um, It also, I think, is a good way for... For people listening in to maybe if you want to journal about this or, or meditate about it. Um, but some questions that came up was um, what are the buried bones of my life? And when was the last time I ran free? And I know we've already touched on just, you know, what these bones can look like, but it's, I've been, and I've ever since I wrote that down, I've been trying to, to think like, yeah, like what are those buried bones? Um, when was the last time I ran free? And, um, it's, it's kind of hard, not gonna lie. It's kind of hard for me to answer those questions because it does involve letting yourself actually sit with it, meditate with it and contemplate and be really honest with yourself because, um, a lot, a lot of the times I psych myself out thinking that things are fine. Um, when really there's just, there's a lot of things that I need to be working on. And I have these dreams and these images of like, when I want to be, when I get older, and when I grow up, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but also it's important because, if I were to ask myself these questions more often, I think having them at the forefront would make it a lot easier. If that makes sense, that because you're bringing it to your attention more often and you're not letting it get lost. And so just like almost kind of like a, like a mantra of just let yourself run free. Just like, just let yourself do it and whatever that looks like, but just, that's, and that's what I'm going to be working on, you know, as we're going through this book and honestly, just like through life to, you have these seasons of these, these mantras that I think are so important and just, um, letting yourself be creative, letting yourself be that person that you always have told yourself like, Oh, I want to be like that. Or I, you know, you commend other people for, for living their life like that just like, no, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to, um, to run and to take your shoes off and you're allowed to, to dig around in the dirt and you're allowed to laugh really loud and really hard. And you're allowed to have crazy hair and you're allowed to just all those things. Um, I think I just, you're allowed to not have, (laughs) um, nail polish on. You're allowed to, um, just these things that, maybe a lot of people didn't grow up with where they felt like, okay, no, you have to take a shower every day. You have to shave. Yeah. Like it's just, you have to change your look constantly and you have to adapt constantly. And how can we encourage people to like, no, you're allowed to do the things that actually make you feel good. I think that's super important because we all need to hear it. And we all need to be, al- be allowed to have that choice and that freedom just given back to us like we need to claim it again I think
1: that's that's definitely like 1000 percent. I think the the biggest takeaway from this is like you know when I think about what it looks like to run free, free for myself I always think of like such resistance to it mm-hmm. you know because I'm always like oh like I need to do x y and z before i can run like i need to be more in shape i need to you know like i need to work on breathing deeper i need to work on my form i need to get better like running shoes there's always this list of like that's preventing me from running free Mm -hmm. and i think about that with my own pleasure practice Mm -hmm. and like self-pleasures really is an act of resistance you Mm -hmm. know like for example with dance classes i'm Mm -hmm. always like oh my gosh I've always wanted to do that kind of dance, but then I always, you know, have a million reasons of Mm -hmm. why I can't or I shouldn't. And I also get like, it's, you know, we live such busy lives and it's, and also it's not always a financial option Mm -hmm. to do this sort of stuff for a lot of people. But I think that it's easy to get um, down On ourselves and not allow us to. And I think it's the same thing of going back to like, we always have a list of things that we need to get done. And so I always stop myself from doing something really enjoyable for me Mm because I always think like, oh no, I need to do this first Mm -hmm. before I can do that. But then it ends up just becoming this like loop of um, denying the self and Mm -hmm. never having fun. What would you do? What are those things that yeah. if,
0: if time, if money, if none of that was a factor, what
1: would you do if, okay, that's a great question. <laughs> I would spend my day like this, wake up, <laughs> not early. Cause I hate waking up early, <laughs> um, eating a nice, delicious breakfast, learning a language or reading a book, you know, doing something for the mind, mm-hmm. but like then playing music, mm-hmm practicing or playing whatever I want to do, creating some new songs, then maybe go do something fun, go on a walk or, you know, go dancing or go do yoga. Then, um, paint, come back home and paint, make some more food, take a bath, Read. If I could do, if that could be my daily (laughs) fricking thing, I would I would love my life (laughs) and not that I don't, but it was like, I feel like this is always what I'm working towards. What Mm -hmm. I'm always like, this is what my ideal life is, is to just like have fun. And the funny thing is, is like, none of that has to do with like consumerism. Like it's Mm -mm. not like me going out shopping. It's just Mm me, you know, being able to create, Mm -hmm. that's really all it is and be able to express myself. But what about you? There's always been things that have
0: uh, interested me that I would, I would say to myself like, Oh, like, you know, in another life, maybe I did that. Um, so like, I've always thought about, um, dancing has always been huge, actually like taking dance classes and learning those different things. That's always been something that's I've been drawn to. I just haven't, I don't know. I just always find reasons not to do it. Um, when my husband and I were <laughs> preparing for our, Um, first dance at our wedding, um, I found out that I am not a good follower. (laughs) I very much like to lead when I'm dancing. Um, And so that was the struggle. But also, it, it takes time, it takes dedication, but it's also a money thing. And it's, it's also just kind of like that repetition. And, you know, I'm the kind of person who, Um, like if parking isn't a great option, then I'm like, all right, well, maybe I shouldn't go, (laughs) um, I don't know where I'm going to park. Um, but, but then also I think about, um, you know, and we took that, that yoga class, the aerial yoga class. Um, and I've always just thought about that. I just love watching people. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted to do aerial dancing. I just thought it's, it's just so beautiful to watch people do that. Um, And then, like, I don't know, just performing on stage somehow. I don't know. Like, I just have these dreams of, like, either speaking in front of a bunch of people or performing. Um, It changes between, like, yeah, like, the speaking, like, giving some kind of, like, TED Talk versus, like, actually, like, singing and and being, like, a musician in front of people. and um, Or just, like, there's just so many, like, different lives that... I would love to live and experience and those are all the things that I'm just like, I wonder if I can get little tastes of that, you know, every once in a while of, um, yeah, like I'll go take an aerial yoga class and, you know, that will be my little aerial dancing that I, that I try out, or, you know, maybe I'll try figuring out how to, I, you know, I want to get back into like swing dancing or something like that. Right. Where, um, how can I, how can my body feel good? How can my body be active? But how could I also be creating at the same time? Um, so those are the things that, that I would do that I would like, I would enjoy.
1: I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of it, when we talk about both of our things of what's stopping us, a big thing really comes up is like, okay, aside from the time and the money, what really is stopping us, <laughs> you know? Cause it's like, I I think part of it is just like it, getting used to being in survival mode for a long time where you know going out is kind of an, an unnecessary expense um and it's also really intimidating doing new things and especially like I remember um like Early two thousands was not a great thing for the the, the female esteem, self esteem. Yeah. Cause I remember just like movies were always making comments about women's bodies mm-hmm. and everything was always really hyper-sexualized. Really low cut genes? Yes. <laughs> and I just always felt this need to it's it's that like internal male gaze, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like I always perceive myself of like if I'm not perfectly um like photogenic mm then I don't want to do it because I don't want to be embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I think about dance classes, sometimes just like the the overwhelming idea of, you know, looking awkward, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and not knowing how to get in touch with my body and not because it's actually a really difficult thing to connect the vision of what you want to be dancing versus actually dancing that way yep. you know <laughs> and it's it's really humbling and so <laughs> that's why they have mirrors everywhere oh my god i you're know like, you will be forced
0: to know what you and look it's like so when you're dancing. Trustful, <laughs>
1: like being hyper aware of how i look mm-hmm. and i also did some dance classes when i was younger and i had some dance teachers that are just like they're always making comments about you and it makes mm. you really self-conscious mm-hmm. and even if it's not like super rude or anything a lot of dance teacher type personality is just being really you know like no that's being, not how you do it being
0: very exact yeah and, and i know that there's a reason for it right. because when i go see dancers you know i'm very very picky and my husband knows this so the nutcracker holds a very special mm-hmm. place in my heart and i've been very very particular in like i I grew up putting on performances for my parents, like in front of the Christmas tree, like of the Nutcracker every year. And, um, I did a little bit of ballet when I was younger. And so I've always just, (laughs) I went to go see the Nutcracker, um, once while in my adult life. And I was very like, you kind of start judging because you do want it to look good and you do want them to, to, to do the things and, um, execute things correctly. But at the same time, I really, really hope that outside of that, those dancers like can just be free and just dance and be goofy. And, and I think it's a fine line. It's a balance because I, I know people who they do things professionally, but they're never allowed to do those things for fun. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like a, a family that I grew up with, um, you know, their kids played football, right? But their parents wouldn't let them play football just for fun because of the possibility mm. of them hurting themselves and then actually not being able to play football, you know, you know, in school. And so it's like, how can we make sure that we're not ruining these passions for ourselves of, yeah, like, I really want to learn how to dance. I want to know how to, to to do the moves correctly and to and to look good while doing it. But I don't want it to be something that I dread and then I'm gonna just
1: like right like I don't know like how do you how do you balance that right I agree I mean I see it all the time going to school for music where people always feel like they like all their music has to be contributing financially Mm -hmm. you know like it has to get them a gig it has to get them you know some sort of notoriety and they feel like their music isn't valid unless it's you know making something of it it's never purely for Mm self-pleasure it's always like trying to show value Mm -hmm. or something and so that's like it's a really tricky sort of thing to navigate but I think that ultimately the people that we see that do really successful are people who can engage in that Mm -hmm. um and and Forget about the success, you know, because the people that I know that are successful that are hyper fixated on their success, mm-hmm. they suck as people. So yeah. it's like, yeah, they sure might be successful at what they do, but man, they're awful to be around.
0: Yeah, they are so, drained of happiness and and um, passion and all of that because it's just it's turned into something completely different for them. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think like a lot of my friends are really creative people. But they always feel like it has to be some sort of side hustle business, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I really like painting, but I need to be selling my painting. And I've definitely felt victim to that, too, where you feel like your your creativity needs to be funding you in some sort of way, and so then that's another layer of like why you can't allow yourself to just do something mm-hmm. just for pleasure. Yep. Like it's not with the intention of you're going to learn how to be a dancer and like make money dancing mm-hmm. and touring, but just like I'm just going to dance. I want to dance, and I'm going to dance. Yeah, like the people who I grew up
0: um, going to church, and so you have the people who like me. <laughs> um. I would get very, very self-conscious about singing because I was very like, okay, if I'm going to sing, I need to hit the notes correctly. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, and I was very conscious about it. There's other people there. They're just belting. They just do not care. They just are singing because they, that is... Their body is just like, this is what I want. And I'm going to do it. And I don't care what other people think around me. And it's, <laughs> I was just, at first when I was younger, it's almost, it was almost kind of funny because I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't sound right. Like yeah. you sound kind of funny singing, but now I look at it and I admire those people. They just, you don't have to be good at it. Just do it. Cause it makes yeah. you feel good and it makes you happy and brings you energy and life and Yes. <laughs> just so if anyone is listening and you're like kind of teetering on whether or not to do something, just do it. Yeah. Just make yourself happy. Just and, do it.
1: yeah. And I, and we know, like, I think we're all not oblivious to the idea of like, sometimes there's a point in life where you can't afford it or you just don't have time mm-hmm. for it and we get it. But I think as far as the time thing goes is that Your time is something that once it's spent, you never get it back. Mm -hmm. And people spend entire lifetimes regretting, never allowing themselves to do anything fun. Mm -hmm. So don't let yourself become that. And the only way to simply do that is to figure out a way to. And that's just kind of like the hard truth with it Mm -hmm. is you got to prioritize your time, um, which is a very hard thing to do. And there's going to be seasons too, where you just realize like this season, I'm not able to do this realistically, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do what I can now to prepare for a time when I will be able to do that. And I think the other thing too, um, about is like discovering how to get in touch with your inner wolf and your inner wild woman is like a lot of visualization, you know, of what does your wolf look like? How does she talk? How does she walk? What does she do? What? What I is? I think my fun wolf has curly hair. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, but hey, it is like, now.
0: This, like luscious curls.
1: What? What color?
0: Um, almost kind of like a. I don't know. I kind of want like a rose gold mm. color. I'm, that's just, that's in my brain, a rose gold hair, curly, curly hair. Yeah. Just a wolf that like, it laughs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a wolf that you can hear very <laughs> from very far away. And, yes. Because that's definitely something I notice more often than not where I'm like, ooh, I may be the loudest person mm-hmm. in this room right now. Like, cause and that's okay. And I get my laugh from my mom and I love it. And it's something that... Um, I've, I've learned to love a lot more and learn to just own it, but that's what my wolf would be. You just, just be like, Oh, well there, now, there's a Haley wolf. <laughs> All right, she's somewhere yes. <laughs> she's somewhere close by or I don't know, far away. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to, I'm like closing my eyes and trying to picture, but what would your wolf look like?
1: I think she would have like a lot of black and I really like black and I'd have like a black nose and i feel like i would look kind of german shepherd esque looking just really like pointy ears Ooh. you know but like still a wolf obviously yeah and probably more aware than wolf yeah yeah <laughs> and then i'd have like black but with like red bits in it you know like Ooh. a deep like dark red bits in it mm. you know i have this neighbor and her the dog's name is kona and she's like this most gorgeous dog who looks like she's part wolf and mm-hmm. she's really like black hair and she looks German Shepherd-esque and then she has these red streaks that just kind of come out at different times and she's beautiful mm. yeah so I think I'd want to do see that. that thank you <laughs> yeah yeah she's just like such a beautiful guardian dog mm-hmm. too um and I think like To go, like, some more ideas of ways to get in touch with your sort of inner wolf is that it doesn't always have to be, like, doing activities, you know? Like, not also just be getting in touch with nature. It is journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me personally, working with fire helps me get in touch. So when I'm, like, near a campfire or near a fireplace or have candles going, obviously, disclaimer, make sure that you're doing it safe okay <laughs> like
0: please don't be like those people who start forest fires yes by.
1: please yeah yeah in new mexico like be safe couple, yeah <laughs> we had a forest fire in cimarron that happened mm-hmm. and it was all because people were camping and weren't like monitoring it and it totally wiped out such a big part of yeah so be safe. Fire is a dangerous thing. So if you're not in a space to actually handle fire mm-hmm. carefully, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. I know for me that fire is such a big way that I've gotten in touch with that and smoke like incense mm-hmm. is another thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, even just the fire.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, sorry, <laughs> the sound of fire. Yes. <laughs>
1: um,
0: before we started the episode, um Pluma had she's like, Oh, we should get like a the sound of like crackling of oh, yeah. a, of the candle and um it's like those little noises that you're like, Oh yeah, that's nice. Definitely. Like there's that show on Netflix
1: that oh my god, yeah, that right. just I mean and, and yes.
0: my husband and I put it on every year, like around Christmas, because we don't actually have a fireplace. Yeah. And so we just put it on our our TV.
1: But it's just, oh my gosh! I just love that sound. It is gorgeous. You just stare into the flames
0: forever. Exactly, yeah. and
1: that's so meditative in and of itself. Because I know for me, meditation is such a daunting thing. Mm-hmm. And at this point, whenever people say meditate, I'm like, okay, okay, fine. I get, we get it. it. <laughs> yeah, like we get it. Meditate. God, I know. But you know, for people who don't really have regulated nervous systems mm-hmm. or who deal with a lot of trauma, meditation can oftentimes trigger you mm-hmm. and and cause flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, when I was starting therapy, we kind of talk about how, like, that's probably not the best thing for me to do right now. Mm -hmm. So doing things that, yes, you can get into a meditative state by, like, for me, doing the dishes is when I get into a meditative state or when I'm painting Mm -hmm. or when I'm staring at, like, a candle flame. That's when I get into a really meditative, like, flow state. And same thing with music, too. That's how I get into my, like, flow state. But um, trying to induce it just by yourself is Mm -hmm. very overwhelming Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. body and the nervous system. So Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you are in a really regulated space, it's just going to be really emotionally overwhelming. Yeah. You know, so doing other things like we get meditations great, but if you're not in a spot where you can really do that safely, I think that just creating a really warm, welcoming environment for yourself, you know, creating the vibe of that sanctuary, Mm -hmm. having your candle going, having your incense going. And if journaling is a little bit too much, Mm -hmm. you know, engage with other things like singing. Mm -hmm. That's another great way to sort of express yourself.
0: My husband already always knows what mood I'm in by the the music that I play. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, um, it's, it's something that, yeah. I music is a huge one. Huge, huge one. And that's why you have such huge communities. I feel like I'm saying the word huge a lot. Huge. It's huge. Huge. <laughs> huge. I <laughs> can't okay, we'll cut that out. <laughs> we will keep it in. <laughs> Obviously, I'm done for the day. <laughs> um, I was like, what was he going to say? Oh yeah. So that's why you have such large communities even in like the EDM world. You have the lights, you have the bass, you have, it's just like this whole experience because that music just resonates and it impacts you in that kind of way. And, um, I mean, that doesn't mean you have to know how to create music. You can still love music and you can still be moved by it. And so it's finding those things that if you're in a bad mood, if you, um, just need to just kind of in a way, find yourself again, like just think about what you need in that moment of sometimes, yeah, it really just helps. If you just like, if you have a bathtub, go take a bath, you know, like get some extra bubbly bubble bath going on, Mm -hmm. you know, get some, you know, for, for me, um, I don't think my bathtub at my house is stable enough for regular baths, but if I had a larger bathtub, um, like I really like putting like opera or like classical music on having some candles closing my eyes pretending I'm like in the 1930s or something you know like it's just like there's that scene in um uh that movie atonement have you seen it with Keira Knightley yes where she's like getting ready or whatever and she's like smoking her cigarette she's listening to the opera music and um to like that gorgeous green dress but um Uh, and then the the guy James McAvoy uh he's like in the tub and and so it's like the whole scene and so I'm like I try to like I close my eyes. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. i just like, I'm here at night late, and I have <laughs> my candles and my cigarette and my offer music. And, um, and so it's like, it's those kind of things that, because then afterwards I just feel so much cooler, honestly. I just feel better. I feel like just yeah. reset. And so just find ways. And yeah, I don't know, maybe take the rest of the day or the rest of the week, just to think about like, what are those things for you?
1: Yeah. And be like really honest with yourself. You know, I think definitely pushing yourself is a really important thing of just, you know, like how we talk about with our excuses with dancing. How like we can always come up with an excuse of why we can't go like pop into a, a dance class or something. But like. But YouTube is free. YouTube is free. And really there, (laughs) like, there is no room for excuses at this point. Like, come on, I've given myself every excuse in the book. Like nothing can fool me. Okay. And this is, I mean, obviously you're not reporting back to us, but like, be honest with yourself. Are you like, are you making excuses and why? And I know for me, a lot of times why I make excuses is when I'm burnt out Mm -hmm. too. That's like a, you know, I'm burnt out from school and work and, I would love to do those things, but I'm just know that I'm already pushing myself beyond what I have in me. On the flip side of that, I know when I'm like mm-hmm. BSing myself and I'm just making excuses and that creates a lot of honesty, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we push ourselves when we're already burnt out and sometimes we're not pushing ourselves because we're letting our fears kind of get mm-hmm. in the way. Mm-hmm. So just be honest with yourself and really, when you think about your like wolf what does that wolf do? What does it look like? How does it act? Um, and what does it need? What does it need? Mm-hmm. And what does it want?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think it's a really excellent thing. I'm definitely going to be doing that with myself, you know,
0: but dancing more.
1: Yeah. Engaging <laughs> the body, you know, because yeah. that's so tied into our confidence and mm-hmm. so tied into, um, Direct expression mm-hmm. Yeah Because yep. writing is expression And mm-hmm. it definitely is But there's something about movement That like you can't get more Like expressive than that mm-hmm. Really like in its rawest form mm-hmm. yeah. yeah All right Thank you, everyone, for listening to this latest episode of the Spiritual Curiosity Podcast.
0: The next episode, we talk about Lilith, also known as the mother of demons, the first witch, the first vampire, first wife of Adam, first lady. First lady. Uh, We're talking about her story and how she has been portrayed, and how all of that is just a big
1: load of crap. A big old load of crap. If you want to stay updated with us and keep up with our socials, we are at the Spiritual Curiosity Pod on Instagram and on TikTok.
0: But in the meantime, stay stay curious. curious.